of things not seen. And it's without faith, it's impossible to please God. Thank God for faith in Jesus Christ tonight, today, and in faith in His Word. Amen. Are you believing for your miracle today? Well, Brother Rick ain't seen it yet. Well, that's what faith is. It's the evidence of things not seen. You're believing it for we see it. You know, you got to believe it first. You can be seated because I might get to talking. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I know that's hard for y'all to believe, but it, amen. You've got to believe, and then you will see. You know, so many of us have that Thomas syndrome. When Jesus appeared and Thomas wasn't there, and uh, uh, they told, they told uh, Thomas, we've seen the Lord. He's been here, and he said, I ain't believing it. I won't believe it unless I see it for myself, if I see the... If I, I've got to see the, the nail prints in his hands, and uh, I, want to th- I want to see the pierced side. I've got to see it. And uh, a week or so later, the Lord appeared again, and Thomas was there, and Jesus went right up to him and said, Thomas, reach forth your finger. Put it in the nail prints, my hand. Take your hand and put it in my side. And he said, don't be faithless but believing, believing. And he said to Thomas, when Thomas acknowledged him and said, My Lord and my God, he said to Thomas, he said, Thomas, you have seen me and you have believed, but blessed are they who have not seen, who have not seen and yet believed. And so he's looking for faith today from his people. And uh, if you believe him, he'll work for you. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Appreciate the good worship today. Give them a good hand. Amen. Take your Bibles with, if you have them this morning, and I hope that you do, because we're going back again this morning to where we were last Sunday morning in 2 Peter, the second epistle of Peter, chapter number 1. And I begin talking to you last week uh, from this passage and uh, on knowing, on our knowing and our growing. And that's what Peter deals with here in this, in this first chapter of Second Peter. He talks about knowledge, and we mentioned last week that the word knowledge is used nine times just in this chapter alone, and either 16 or 19 times, I forget exactly which, but throughout this three chapters of this second epistle of Peter. And, uh, but knowledge is used uh, in just in this chapter nine times. So there's, he talks about some things that we need to know. He talks about knowledge, which we mentioned last week, the word that he uses, and we'll read the scriptures here in a moment, but one of the words that he uses for knowledge is the word epinosis. And it's a knowledge that is not just common, ordinary knowledge, but it means to possess some definite information about something or to know something definitely. And it refers to a personal relationship. It refers to knowing the Lord in a personal way. And so he talks about knowing. And then he also, in these verses here, talks about growing. And that's what we want to deal with today. And I I don't know how long we'll be in this 
in this particular chapter, but we are going to camp here for a little while and try to squeeze what we can, everything we can, out of, out of these verses. Because the Lord, just He laid this passage upon my heart and uh, brought it to me several weeks back, and, and uh, I, I was thinking about it and just kindly musing over it and everything, but He just began to really deal with me about the importance of spiritual growth in the life of the believer. Um, Peter ends this uh, epistle with the very la- in the very last chapter, which is the third chapter, and the 18th verse, the last verse of this uh, epistle, the second epistle of Peter, he says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So spiritual growth and development is very important to God, And was very important to Peter. And he felt that it was very important to the believers that he was writing to here in this letter. And so we're talking about knowing and talking about growing. But today I want to to also give a little subtitle to this passage and to this message. And call it the prescription, a prescription against backsliding. It's because that's exactly what it is. It's a prescription here in this first chapter, verses 3 especially, verses 3 through 11, is a prescription against backsliding. And I want you to know, notice what he says in verse number 10. He says, therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things... You will never stumble or you will never fall. So if there wasn't the danger of stumbling or falling, there wouldn't have been any need for him to even say anything about that. But Peter tells us that there are some things that we can do that will ensure us of our security in Christ. We're saved not by works. We're sanctified not by works. But God does require us to continue our faith in Him and to walk in grace and to walk in the faith that He's giving us and to live for the Lord and continue to believe in Him and to live for Him. How many knows that? It's not an automatic thing. It's something that we are required of the Lord to keep ourselves in the love of God, as Peter will tell us in the book of Jude. I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to get my two books mixed up. We're doing Jude on Wednesday nights, and now here I'm doing some passages in first or in Second Peter on Sunday morning. So I'm try, but they, they're, they're very similar. And if you've been here on Wednesday nights as we've been teaching in the book of Jude, you'll find out something about Jude and you'll find out something here about Peter. That Jude or Peter, neither one were seeker-sensitive ministers. They were not seeker-sensitive preachers at all. And Jude lays it out pretty plain and pretty straight. And so does Peter here. But what he's giving us here and what he's writing to us here in this first chapter is something that's very beneficial to each and every one of us today who want to make it to heaven. Can I get another amen on that? To those who want to make heaven their home. And let's look at these, this passage, beginning with verse number 3. In 2 Peter chapter 1, it says, As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain 
to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. That means we've been freed from sin's power through the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 5, he says, But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. Can you see a development of things here? For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, you will never fall. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, thank you for the precious Word of God today. We ask for your anointing and your help uh, to minister your Word to your people today. Give me the words you would have me to say and open our hearts and our understanding to receive from you this morning in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen and amen. I think we can see how, how, how important this uh, passage of Scripture is to every believer because it does tell us how that we as believers can keep from falling and how we can be assured of a glorious entry into heaven, as he says there in verse 11. I don't know about anybody here else here, but I want to have that glorious entry into the kingdom of God and into heaven. And I don't believe it's going to be very long until the Lord comes to receive His church to Himself. But as I mentioned last week and just a moment ago, um, Peter talks about the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Having that personal knowledge and that personal relationship, that personal acquaintance with Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior. And I mentioned this last week, there's a difference in knowing who Jesus is and, uh, and actually knowing Him personally. There's a difference in knowing about Jesus and knowing Him personally. And there's a lot of things that are said about Jesus. And from what I understand, there's going to be during the Super Bowl some commercials about Jesus. But be very careful that they're talking about the right Jesus. Because everything that mentions Jesus is not talking about the Jesus of the Bible. Can I get an amen? So we must know Him personally.
personally. And so there's a difference in knowing about Jesus and knowing who Jesus was historically and knowing him personally. There's going to be a Super Bowl game tonight. I know, I know, uh, I know who Patrick Mahomes is, but I don't know him personally. I've never met him. Amen. And so that's how important it is that we know uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and we're acquainted with him personally. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3 that I may know him, not just know about him, but to know him personally. And we found out last week that through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ that we have pardon, we have the forgiveness of sin, we have peace that Peter had talked about there, and we also have power. And that's so vitally important because Peter tells us here in this third verse that it's by His divine power that He has given us all things, everything that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge, there it is again, the knowledge of Him who has called us to glory and virtue. And then in verse 4, and here's where we, what we dealt with last uh, Sunday morning, that you may be partakers of His divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And we talked about the divine nature that has been uh, that has been imparted unto us when we get born again. Not the fact, and don't 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 uh, you know don't misunderstand what Peter is saying. And I, you know, I I uh, I stressed this point last week when we talked about the divine nature that we have been made a partaker of through the new birth. That we have not been made divine. Amen. We are not gods. We are not divine. And uh, you know the new age, the new age teaching teaches that we that everybody has divinity within them. Well, they do not. Amen. Nobody is a a as divine other than God. You don't have. We don't have. The new age don't have the word of faith. They do not have those that proclaim that they are gods do not share the attributes of God. So such as, you know, uh, um, uh, omniscience and omnipresence and omnipotence. We don't share those attributes at all. They are for God and God alone. But the fact is, when you and I get saved and get born again, the, He gives us His nature. He puts the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. He gives us His Spirit to live on the inside of us. And He changes our nature. Come on, amen. The desires that we one time had before we were saved, those desires change. And I, you know, I can tell you, and I have in the past, how God changed my desires when on that Sunday morning when I made Jesus Lord of my life. Man, I tell you, I knew, I knew when I got up out of that seat and walked to that altar, before I stepped into that aisle, I knew I was coming to Jesus. I had a repentant heart, and I knew I wasn't, what, there was no way I had any desire to go back to that mess that God was bringing me out of. There's a new nature that is given to everyone who accepts Christ and who comes into the kingdom of God. He makes us a new creature or a new creation in Christ. And so he said there that we've been made partakers, not that we've been made divine, but made partakers of his divine nature, of the 
nature of God. And he said there that by his divine power that he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And let me remind you again of what that means. When it says that that to you as a believer, to you as a child of God, that he has given unto you everything, all things, not some things, but all things that pertain to life and godliness, he is saying there to us that everything that we need to live an abundant, fulfilled, overcoming life and everything that we need to live like Jesus Christ and live Christ-like has already been given to us through the new birth and in the new birth. You, Everything you need today to live for God is in Christ and Christ is in you. It is Christ in us, the hope of glory, the great mystery of the gospel. And you, when you were born again, you received Him into your life, Christ into your life. And can I say today that, and, and I mentioned this last week, that the new, that new nature of God that He has given to you has an effect upon your life. Amen? I said it has an effect upon your life. You, you have a human nature. You're born as a human with a human nature. You are born with a sin nature. But when you get born again, you receive God's divine nature that overrides us to override and overpower and to overcome that sinful nature. And now you've got a new nature that changes your desires. Somebody ought to say amen because this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nature determines your conduct. Nature determines your behavior. And because of the fact that we possess his divine nature, we have, according to what Peter said, completely, totally escaped the corruption and the defilement and the decay that is in this present world through the lust of the flesh. That is what being born again is all about. Come on, somebody. Amen? Well, I'll just slow down and go slow then. Praise God. So we've escaped. And that's, you know, reminding us of what we talked about last week. We've escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And Peter here tells us those things. And then he continues in verses 5 through 11 talking about our spiritual growth. Now, the part that we covered last week and what we just talked about here briefly this morning is the knowing part, but now Peter's going to talk about the growing part. So if you know who you are in Christ and what He has done for you, there has to be, there must be, it's imperative then that you continue to grow in the things of God. Amen? There are so many in the church today that are not spiritually mature. There's, they haven't grown any in the Lord. And I want to say this, and here's, here's the reason it's so important, because there's no middle ground here. There's no, there's no place of, of stagnation in Christ. We are either growing in Him, going forward to Him, or we're losing ground and we're going backwards. You can't just maintain stagnant in one particular place. There must be a constant 
constant growing in the things of the Lord. And every God wants you as a believer. He wants every single one of us today to be fruitful and to grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's God's will for your life. There are no exceptions. The call to spiritual growth and maturity is to every Christian, to every believer. The writer of Hebrews made it plain in Hebrews chapter 6. In that first verse he says, Wherefore leaving the elementary teaching or the basics about Christ, let us press on into maturity. So we are to constantly be pressing on into maturity. Paul writing to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 4. He says that we are to, uh, that until we attain the unity of the faith, talking about what will happen at the rapture, and the complete knowledge of the Son of God, that we are to be a mature man. We are to be mature to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. That we be no more. Here's what Paul said in Ephesians 4. That we be no longer children tossed here and there and carried uh, by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery and the craftiness and the deceitful scheming of men, but that we are to grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head, even Christ. So that's the job. That's, you know, that's the job of the pastor, the evangelist, the teacher. That's the job of the fivefold ministry is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. My job as a pastor shepherd is to preach and to teach the Word of God and to feed you with the Word of God and to nurture and to care for you and to pray for you. And, 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 and my desire is for everyone in this church to grow up in Him to the fullness of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Come on, amen. Is that your desire today? Is that what you want today? Amen. Everyone desiring to grow up in Him and to be more and more like Jesus. So that means that this passage in 2 Peter chapter 1 is one of the most most important passages in all of the Word of God for the believer, for the child of God. This is a passage, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm going to encourage you to do this because this is the passage that needs to be studied and it needs to be applied into our life because it covers here, Peter covers the great qualities and the virtues which are to be developed in the life of each and every one of us as children of God. In verses number 2 and 3, we have the divine provision. We have the enablement that's given to the believer in salvation. Again, his divine nature that He has put in us, the Holy Spirit that He has placed within us. And this new nature impels us to a holy life. I think I need to say that again. The new nature in us impels us to live a holy life. People that come to a church and come to an altar and, and pray and all of that and pr say a prayer, whatever, but go right back out there and continue to live the same kind of life they were 
were. They did not get born again. I don't care if they repeated a prayer after a preacher, what they did. If their life is not changed and transformed, they are not saved. They have not received Christ in them and that nature that impels them to live a different life. I didn't say they was going to leave here being perfect because none of us are. There's got to be growth. There's got to be development. But when that person's made a new creature in Christ, their desire is no longer for the things of this world, but their desires for the things of God and for a new life. He gives us a new life. Come on, amen. That nature, that desire, it's a desire. And the power of God is given to that believer, that believing sinner, the power of God has given them to do the will of God. There's a verse of Scripture that's misused and mishandled so many times in Philippians chapter number 2, verses 12 and 13. And Paul said there, therefore, my beloved, he said this. Everybody's familiar with this verse. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. How many is familiar with that verse? Work out your own salvation. And people take that verse and they say, well, that means you don't try to tell me what to do. You don't try to tell me how to live. It's me and Jesus got our own thing going. And I'm just going to work out my own salvation, and you work out your own salvation. What I, you know, the, uh, that truth is is just, you know, it's just relative. Whatever I believe is right is right, and whatever I believe is wrong is wrong, and it's up to me, and it's up to you. And that's not what that verse is saying at all. He's telling us there that we are to work out. Notice the next verse. Verse 13 says, "For it is God who works in you both to will and to." do according to whose good pleasure? According to His good pleasure. So it's the nature of God on the inside of you. It's God dwelling on the inside of you. And it's our responsibility then to allow Him to work in us. And He puts the will in there. He puts the desire in there. And He gives us the strength and the power and the grace and the ability to work that salvation out. What's He saying? The new nature that he's put on the inside of us has got to show up on the outside of us. Come on, amen. It's he, it's God that is working in you. We used to sing a little chorus that said, Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. And praise God when Jesus is working on the inside, it will show up on the outside in everyone's life who has received his nature in their lives. Oh, praise God. I'm pretty passionate about this. Because we have a lot of teaching contrary and opposite to that today. But this nature of Christ, this divine nature that He has placed within us, is not, now hear what I'm saying, it's not an automatic self-propelling machine that will turn out a Christian life for the believer no matter what that believer does. I need to say that again, or maybe. The divine nature within you, the nature of Christ within you, is not an automatic, self-propelling machine that will turn out a Christian life for the believer no matter what that Christian does. 
And here is where many fail and where they miss it because, listen to me, spiritual growth and development is your and my responsibility. In verses 5 through 9, Peter gives us that key point. And the key point is that Christians need to live godly lives. Verse 5, he says, For this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Now, does that sound to you like that's something passive? That we just, you know, kind of float through life and uh, whatever will be, will be, whatever is to be, will be. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying there that we, for this very reason, what reason? For the reason that he, is, that he has made us partaker of his divine nature. For the reason that he has given us exceeding great and precious promises. For this reason that we have been born again and we've received a new life in Christ. For this very reason... He says that you and I are to give. Notice this is the Apostle Peter saying this. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That we are to give all diligence. To give all diligence to add to our faith. Now the faith that he's referring to there is faith in Jesus. That's the foundation. You're not going to have. You're not going to be in the family of God. Until you've placed that saving faith in the Lord. Lord Jesus Christ. But then he said, you've got to add to your faith. In other words, this is not the stopping point. Getting born again is not an end all. That's not it. Well, I've attained. I'm there. I'm saved. I've got a home in heaven. Praise the Lord. I can just go on now and do anything I want to. And there's some that teach that. That once a person makes that, that prays, that prayer shakes, that preacher's hand, gets on that church roll, no matter what they do, they're still going to heaven. And that's not what? the Bible teaches us it's not what the Bible teaches us he said here we have to give all diligence and here's where so many of us and I'll I'll include myself are we well I think we need to ask ourselves this question are we giving all diligence to make our calling and election sure are we giving diligence to add to our faith so a person, according to Peter, is to add these qualities. He said, giving all diligence to add to your faith. And then he gives a list here of seven, of seven qualities, of seven virtues, of seven attributes that are, be, that are to be added to our faith in Christ. And don't worry, I'm not going to preach on all seven of them this morning anyway. But he does, but we need to know this because he does give us seven things that are to be added to our faith, virtues and qualities that must be in the life of the believer. And we have a responsibility of seeing to it that these qualities are a part of our life. And we as believers need to have some, a time of introspection every once in a while. Come on, amen. We've got to have a time of introspection, a time of self examination.
examination where you examine yourself. We need some, every once in a while we need God to give us a spiritual MRI and see what's showing up in our life. Come on, amen? And diagnose us. And Paul even said that, you know, he said examine yourself to see if you're still in the faith. He told that to the Corinthian church. And so we need to examine ourselves. Make sure that we're where we need to be with the Lord and that we're giving diligence to make that calling and election sure. Amen? So the divine nature, now listen to me, the divine nature always produces a change in the life of those who are born again. We've got that down, right? The divine nature, the new birth, always produces a change in life. But we must cooperate. The Holy Spirit's been given to us to live in us, but we as believers must cooperate with the Holy Spirit to live out this change. That's what Paul's talking about. Working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Making sure that he that is in you is putting that will, that desire, that power, that ability within you to make that change and to walk out that salvation. Here's what you have to provide to the Lord. Here's what you got to do, ladies and gentlemen, and that you and I, we must provide him. We must provide a willing mind and and an obedient heart. You first have to be willing. The Bible says, but God said to the people through Isaiah, he said, if you be willing and obedient, you will eat of the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be in trouble. That's my paraphrase. But that's what he was saying. So there has to be a willing mind. There has to be an obedient heart. There has to be a submission to the Lord saying, Lord, I want your will. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be. I, I, I don't want, you know, and listen, there's, there's, there's sins and there's things that Christians, even after they're born again, that they deal with, they struggle with, and, 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 and they have to overcome. But that's where the willing mind, that's where the, the willing mind, the obedient heart comes into play, that you're going to continue to seek the Lord and to draw close to Him and until these virtues are being produced in your life. Oh, God wants you and I as believers today to be free from every sin. He's given us all that we need to live for Him, to live the abundant life, to be free, but we have to present ourselves to Him and let Him work in us. Amen? So he said we've got to cooperate. There must not. And here's the problem that I see in many Christians today, in many churches today, you know, people are looking for today. We may, we, we may not get even get to the first edition here, but people are looking for, and there's a lot of it out there, an easy believism. I want to go to heaven, but I want it to be easy. I want it to be easy. I don't want to have to do anything. I just want to get on the train and let it take me to heaven without me doing anything. And that's, no, it don't, it don't work that way. Hey, you, listen, what does, what does Paul say to Timothy? Fight the good fight of faith. And what? Lay hold on eternal life. There's a, there's a fight. There's a struggle there. 
The Bible tells us we're wrestling against principalities and powers. Paul told Timothy to war a good warfare. Paul told Timothy to be a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. And those of you that have been soldiers or been in the uh, military and been to boot camp, you know that that's just not a bed of roses. Come on, somebody. Amen. But we're to be good soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this is what he's telling us, that we've got to cooperate and there must not be a lackadaisical attempt, but an intense effort by giving all diligence. Do you know what that means? That means that there must be a total dedication on our part. There must be a giving all diligence. That means, do you know what that means? It means making the maximum effort. Giving everything that we can give. Giving all diligence refers to your and my responsibility of this spiritual walk and growing in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Am I making any sense to anybody today? When you're born again, you're like a little newborn babe. And Peter said, uh, uh, you know, in, in, uh, later on he said, uh, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. And there's so many that have been born again. They're 50 years old in Christ and they're still in the spiritual nursery. I know this is not a popular teaching and message, but it's so vitally important because things are going to get worse and worse and worse and you and I need to be stronger and stronger and stronger, and we have to give all diligence to make our calling and election sure. Now that word diligence is the word spude. And it means haste. So Peter's saying giving all diligence. It means giving all haste, speed, to hasten, to act now, don't wait, be energetic, be earnest to add these things to your faith and life. In other words, Peter's saying here, do not let anything keep you from adding these, these qualities to your life. Don't be lackadaisical. Don't get complacent, but give all diligence. So our diligence must be in our faith in Christ, diligent as Paul, as I already quoted, as Paul says to fight the good fight of faith, laying hold on eternal life. Where is your faith to be anchored? Christ and what He's done for us in His finished work. Amen. So here we have to realize something. That we cannot do this within ourselves. Here's the thing. People say, yeah, but you just said we got to hasten. We've got to do, do our diligence to do this. But the diligence has to be in the fight of faith and offering ourselves to Him and allowing that, that divine nature in us to work in us to produce these attributes and these qualities. Are you, are you with me? Amen? That's the diligence. And we've got to realize, ladies and gentlemen, no, we can't do this on our own within ourselves. But, 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 but we're dependent upon the Holy Spirit living.
living in us, but God is also looking to us to give the diligence to, to place our faith in Christ and to allow and to yield. I think yield's a good word. Amen. To yield ourselves to Him and allow Him to work in us and to work out that salvation in our lives with fear and trembling. Amen. We are to work them out. He's already done everything He needs to do. He's given us these things. Every one of these seven, uh, seven qualities that is mentioned by Peter have already been given you. They are in the Holy Spirit. Just as the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians chapter uh, Galatians chapter 5, the nine fruit of the Spirit. Do you know what? It's not something you're out here trying to find. That fruit of the Spirit is already in you, but it must be developed. It must be grown. It must be brought out in our life. Come on, amen. Hallelujah. And this is so important in our life. And so it's the Holy Spirit that works in us to bring about these qualities. But it's your and I, it's our responsibility to seek the Lord, believe the Lord, yield to the Lord, and desire that these things be in our life. We can't take the attitude of, well, I'm good enough. Well, this don't sound much like a Pentecostal church today. Because ladies and gentlemen, God does not make you holy against your will. He doesn't. He doesn't. And the teaching today that says, well, I'm, I'm made perfect on the inside, so it doesn't matter what my flesh does. That's a lie, ladies and gentlemen. That, that, that's, the Gnostic, that's what the Gnostics taught in the, new, in the uh, first century church that John and these apostles fought against that Gnosticism. That all matter, they said, was evil and that the body is evil and it's sinful and you can't keep from sinning. But when you get saved, He's made you perfect on the inside. So no matter how you live or what you do with your body, you're still perfect on the inside that your spirit's not defiled. That is not taught in the Bible. That's not true. Amen? Uh, and there's a lot of people that believe that. Well, it doesn't matter how I live. I'm under grace. We've talked about that on Wednesday nights. What Jude said concerning those who have turned the grace of God into license, into a license to sin. Well, grace just covers everything and it doesn't matter what we do. Oh, it does because when you've got His nature in you, you're going to want to live for Him. When you do something wrong. It will bother you if you're truly born again. When you do commit sin or watch something or see something or, or say something or think something that's not pleasing to the Lord, it will bother you because you've got a new nature on the inside of you. Be diligent to develop these qualities in our life to grow in grace and to grow in the things of God. Amen? So He's not going to make us holy against our will. God has to have our involvement. He requires our involvement. And there must be a desire and a determination on your part and on my part because spiritual growth cannot be treated lightly. Amen? So he says, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just hit this one. We'll quit. So he says, 
for this very reason, verse number 5, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add, oh, Dake in his Bible calls this spiritual arithmetic. He says, add, a, a, a better word would be supply, to your faith, virtue. To supply or add to your faith, virtue. Seven attributes, seven pillars of our faith. But the first one he says that we are to add, give all diligence to add virtue. Now there's a couple of meanings here to the word virtue. The word means in most commentaries that I have studied and studied after, the word virtue there is the Greek word that means excellence of character. It means moral goodness and moral purity. But it also speaks of the power that performs these deeds of excellence in our life. See, the, when you are, are walking and living in moral excellence, the evil of the culture has no place in your lives. And I think we're all aware that the culture is getting more and more and more and more evil. It was all over Facebook. It was all over the news, even Fox News, of the wicked, satanic worship service that went on at this year's Grammy Awards. It was, it was ungodly. It was satanic. It was demon worship. If anybody can sit and look at that and watch that and, and say, oh, that's wonderful, I love that, then you need to be in this altar getting things right it was a satanic worship service and uh, I tell you when 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 the mainstream news media even reports on it being bad and the world says it's bad it's pretty bad but the church don't say anything about it but when you are operating in God's excellence and this moral excellence that evil culture has no place in you amen I saw a post on Facebook the other day I almost posted it myself but I didn't and I had a guy with a bottle of Tabasco sauce and he said Things I would rather do instead of watch the Grammys. And he was putting Tabasco sauce in his eyes. Amen. Hallelujah. Getting ready to be another one on tonight. That Super Bowl. Listen to me. Oh, come on. I'm preaching now. That Super Bowl halftime show over the last few years has been totally, totally hijacked and taken over by demonic spirits. Are you listening to me? Churches bringing it into their services, having Super Bowl parties in their services instead of having church. Oh, hallelujah. I know, Brother Rick, this ain't popular. This ain't a popular thing. They've even turned their Sunday morning services into a Super Bowl party, having tailgate parties instead of having church. God help me the day that I turn down a preaching time of preaching to have a Super Bowl party on the parking lot. All the church needs a revival, ladies and gentlemen. And when we are filled with the moral excellence of Christ in our lives, this evil culture has no place in our lives. He has called us out of the world. He has called us unto holiness. He says, be ye therefore holy for I am holy. Come out from among them and be separate and touch not the unclean thing. It's not a popular message, but God's church is a holy church. It's a spotless church. It's a clean church. It's a blood-bought church. We need moral excellence developed in our lives today. Go ahead and give the Lord praise somebody hallelujah 
The music industry as a whole is hijacked by demon spirits. The majority of rock, probably I would say all, have sold their soul to Satan. Their lyrics are demonic. Their music is demonic. And Christians have no business having a part in it. I just well throw this in. I'm already in trouble. Country music's is bad. Singing about drinking, carousing, gambling, cheating on your wife. It's not a part of sanctified, born-again believers. Get on YouTube and get you some good worship music. Get you some good gospel music. Get on SBN. Get some good worship and singing of the swaggerts and those SBN singers. Amen. They'll lift you up. They'll bring you out of the doldrums. Come on, somebody. They'll put something on the inside of you. Hallelujah. Once you've tasted the good word of God and the sweet uh, blessing of heaven and the heavenly dove working in your life, you ain't going to want to feed upon this moral filth of this world. God has called us to moral excellence, ladies and gentlemen. He's called us to holiness. He's called us to purity. And praise God, we must be a a group of believers today that are separate from the world and from its ungodly ways. Come on, amen. Hallelujah. You are going to face the persecution in these last days. But Peter said, love not the world. John said, love not the world. But the love of the Father, if you love the world, is not in us. Amen? The believer today is in the world, but we are not of the world. And he said, you know, he He said, add, give all diligence to add to your faith, your foundation, your saving faith. Develop, let the Holy Spirit develop it in you. Moral excellence and the courage and the strength to stand in this evil day when everybody is going the other way, when it would be easy to float and to go with the flow and with everybody else. God's looking for believers and for the church that will stand, that will not be mean and that not will not be honry, but that will be loving and will be kind and will not compromise the truth, that will not compromise the word of God but we'll let the drunkard know here's a place you can get changed we'll let the the homosexual know here's a place where you can get delivered let the drug addict know that Jesus wants to save you wants to cleanse you wants to change you that you don't have to be the same he'll put some moral goodness and holiness and excellence on the inside of your life and make you a new creature in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's lift our hands and praise the Lord today. Come on back, worship team. I'm quitting. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. He loves us today. Do you believe that? He loves us today. Hallelujah. His desire is for us to give all diligence to add to our faith virtue, purity in our lives, and moral excellence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many would say, Brother Rick, I, hey man, that's, that's my desire. I want to grow spiritually.